another episode of Talking Tropes. I'm Hannah. I'm David. Hannah, this morning I woke up and I was on the set of Seinfeld on NBC. Oh my gosh. What's going on? David, you're oh, still no. there. Oh <laughs> no. Now I'm on the TARDIS. <laughs> oh no. Now I'm on the set of Bob's Burgs. Oh no, The David. Bob's Burger show on Fox. David, we already did crossover episodes. I think you're trapped in the TV. I'm, I'm trapped in the TV. <laughs> it's blowing my mind. That's right, guys. We're talking about uh, episodes of TV where characters on TV are sucked into the TV. And sometimes they'll bounce around to different shows. Or sometimes they'll realize that their whole life is a show. Or sometimes <laughs> crazy stuff happens. But it's all about, uh, you know, analyzing the way that TV imagines itself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's meta. This one's meta. We're it's going meta. into it. Yeah, I guess we're we're always attracted to those kind of meta jokes and meta episodes. But right. I think this one is like particularly interesting because never before have I heard so many TV characters say, "I wish life was more like a TV show," <laughs> when they are in fact in a TV show. Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of these are very like wish fulfillment e uh or be careful what you wish for yeah kind of yeah that that sort of lesson um it, it was honestly very fun this is a trope that um i've loved for a while now um i think my first exposure to it was definitely in cartoons as a kid um i i where, do, where does your interest in the trope come from I I think it definitely comes from, you know, those those cartoons and uh, specifically Fairly Odd Parents' Channel Chasers, which I yeah. think is a lot of people's connection to this trope uh, because it sort of incorporates everything that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, do, do you want to start with that one, actually? Yeah, why don't we? Uh, yeah, I, I would say Channel Chasers is a big reason for me uh, for loving this trope, but I would also say the, the Teen Titans uh, episode, yeah. the original um, right. That's that's one of my faves. But yeah, let's start with Channel Chasers. Let's talk about it. Let's do a big one. Yeah. So, I mean, thematically, this one is about everything that we're going to be talking about today. There's uh, a bit about how cartoons rot kids' brains, about right. how children's television encourages kids to reenact violence and do dangerous stunts. Mm -hmm. um, and then Timmy remarks like... Oh, you know, like, there's no parents in a lot of these TV shows. <laughs> right. Like, I want to go where there's no parents telling me what to do. Right, which is a classic Fairly Odd Parents move. You know, like, parents suck, let's get out of here. Kids rule. Right. And and then, additionally, there's the reference to the fact that, like, TV is this kind of static, unchanging thing. Especially cartoons. That, like, the characters in cartoons don't usually age and uh, they don't grow up, they never change, so television becomes, uh, you know, a, a metaphor for uh, arrested development. Yeah. You know, not the TV show, but the, <laughs> the concept, the psychological concept. Um, there's a lot of discussion, you know, that you can find in, like, theoretical, you know, works about how television uh, constructs time for people and how people measure time by TV. Yeah. Um, I'll 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 probably try and tweet out some some good sources to look at if you're interested in like <laughs> academic writing on it. But we're here to talk about channel chasers. Yeah, we are. So I mean, should we summarize the plot real fast just in case yeah. someone doesn't yeah. know? 
Um, so Timmy Turner, uh, you know, keeps getting in trouble for doing dangerous stunts and his mean babysitter Vicky is framing him for doing other terrible things around the house. And so he decides to run away into the TV with a magic remote. Um, there's also a second magic remote that is created that Vicky ends up stealing. Uh, there's also time travel in Alec Baldwin, but yes. I mean, we don't necessarily need to go into detail about that. I truly forgot that Alec Baldwin plays grown-up Timmy Turner. <laughs> this was during, this was like two years before 30 Rock dropped or something. Like, he was in his Thomas the Tank Engine phase, <laughs> um, where he could not get, a, he could not get work. He was too busy punching uh, paparazzos. Yeah. But yeah, so Timmy escapes into the TV uh, and is trying to find a good channel to call his new home. Meanwhile, he is being chased by a masked figure from the future. Um, And uh, it turns out that that masked figure is himself as a grown-up who doesn't remember anything because once you lose your fairies, you lose your memory of all the stuff you did with your fairies. Right. So it's it's a good way to sort of tie in the, the television themes with uh, the overarching theme of the show, which is about growing up, wish fulfillment, be careful what you wish for, yeah. all of these kind of things. Yeah. Um, belief and faith in fairies, which I guess doesn't really play into it, but it's something. Right. And, and sort of the main uh, antagonist is, of course, the evil babysitter Vicky, who uh, is also channel surfing through the TV and right. wants to go to dictator week so that she can learn how to take over the world. Right. She's going to the history channel basically yeah. to change history, which yeah. is an interesting conception of how television and the real world are supposed to interact. I mean, history channels on board with it. <laughs> like <laughs> ancient aliens. Here it comes. Um, so uh, th- there were some other themes that were kind of touched on throughout mm. here. Uh, like, there's the idea of, like, TV as a childhood memory that is, like, important to family, because family is such an important theme in this in this special. Right. So, like, when they get to the Rankin-Bass holiday specials, you know, the stop motion, yeah. you know, Rudolph and whatever, um, Timmy is, like, talking to his future self and they're reminiscing about how much they love their parents and watching TV with them. Mm-hmm. So it's at the same time that TV is like rotting your brain and causing you to do violent things. It's also like something that brings people together and, you know, places you temporally in your childhood. Right. Right. And you know, the shows that you watch as a kid, uh, stay with you sometimes. I mean, we're proof of that <laughs> if nothing else. Um, but <laughs> Uh, you know, like he, he talks with his older self, um, about the fact that like, oh, I remember watching this with mom and dad, or I loved watching that show. It was so senseless and violent. And, you know, the fact that if, if you loved it as a kid, you still sort of have fondness for it as, as an adult, um, right. when you sort of have that nostalgia. Do we want to... But then there's like a weird bit where he's <sighs> talking about how, uh, characters on a lot of these shows, the, the parents are all either stupid or absent, yeah. which I guess is referring to like, uh, they did a parody of Peanuts called Walnuts and they did a parody of The Simpsons with no name mm-hmm. where just all the adults in town are stupid. But it seems weird to make that point when your show is Fairly Odd Parents, where the yeah. parents are 
as dumb and absent as possible for the premise of the show. <laughs> right, right, exactly. The it, whole it premise is, is little... that they're never around and they're stupid, so they don't recognize that this babysitter is torturing their, their kid. And also, he has magical fairies. <laughs> right, and but that's why he has magical fairies, right, is what I'm right, saying. Right. So it's like weird to make that a point of comparison between your show and television. And that's something that, you know, I find often is like the criticisms of television <laughs> will often apply to, to the television show. show making those criticisms. Oh, yeah. Do you do you ever remember those get out and play ads that would be on like Nickelodeon um, yeah. where they would just be like, turn off the TV and go outside. And it's like, yeah, I, I thought is... those were good, you know, but, but they're inherently antithetical to what Nickelodeon ultimately really wants you to do, which is to sit right. inside and watch I mean, its ads yeah, all day. It's, it's obviously, you know, for for PR to make yeah. it seem like, yeah, we're not just trying to suck your kids, kids into in. the TV to live right. in TV world. <laughs> um, we want them to experience life as well. But, we... We, you know, knowing in the back of their head that kids are still going to watch because TV's great. Right, right. Um, do we really quick want to run through some of the uh, the parodies that, that this one does? Yeah, a lot of these we're going to see over and over again. Right. So there was a, a Jetsons parody, a Flintstones parody. Um, those you're going to see in other ones that are cartoons. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of these are pretty specific to Fairly Odd Parents because it's only doing cartoon parodies. And with each one comes a new like animation style, which is yeah. kind of interesting to see Butch Hartman's like interpretation of what Akira Toriyama's Dragon Ball looks like. Right. Any other ones that you wanted to point out in particular? Um, I mean, I just love Maho Mushi as the Dragon Ball uh, parody. It's it's great. Right. The the Futurellis as the Jetsons. Yeah, um, it's it's good. I get like, it. I don't know. They, um, they're just great. I I one that I didn't get as a kid is the politically inaccurate. Um, which is supposed sure. to be politically yeah, incorrect, right? It's like a debate right? show. Yeah. And yeah. then it becomes like a wrestling show. It's sort of... Yeah. Um, you know, we already said Rankin-Bass, Rudolph, Simpsons. Um... <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> yeah. point is, like, he has to find a reason to leave all of these shows. Right. Um, so, like, they all have to be portrayed as bad in some way, or they just have the villain come in as, like, an excuse to, like, chase him out. Right. Um, so I mean, I think like that one happens in S- Snooper Dog and the Clue Crew, which is obviously, <laughs> you know, yeah. Scooby Doo. Um, I love but, adolescent yeah, genetically have, adolescent yeah, genetically have altered karate. Scooby B Snoop Dog, and yeah. that's the joke. Yeah. Um, and they do all the tropes: the unmasking, you meddling kids, mm-hmm. uh, the the chase scenes through the the different. Um, yeah. I think when it comes to Hanna-Barbera cartoons, like, they're really common to be parodied because yeah. Hanna-Barbera basically dominated television animation. They invented television animation. Right. And then they dominated it and for 40 years before so, Saturday morning cartoons really became a thing. Right. I think one thing that's really interesting about this trope is that it's a relatively new one. And I think it has to be by nature, you know, like this is a a trope that started at the earliest in the 80s, if not the 90s. And then I think really hit its stride in the early 2000s. Um, I would call it postmodern to some extent. It's sort of an example of like the hyper real. It's it's you're you're viewing 
television through the eyes of television. It's a simulation of a simulation, basically. Right. Um, and everything is just sort of reduced to these signifiers that represent television genre. You know, right. sometimes we're not seeing a direct parody of a show, but just like... 50 sitcoms. Sitcoms, as yeah. we understand them. And why do we understand them that way? Because of a particular sitcom that came out, you know, way before we were born. And felt but very... we just understand. Right, genre-defining for whatever people. But I, I, I think it's also this idea that, you know, TV was such a new medium for such a new, long time that those signifiers hadn't been developed yet. And then by the time we get to the 90s, 2000s, those signifiers um, are really codified and are um, more in place. And so there's, and, and we've had an entire generation, if not two at that point, who have grown up watching TV, you know? Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so it's... But, but also just TV, like, didn't feel like it was able to be self-referential for a while um, because, it right. was, because it was new. And you can't um, you can't do the meta thing of going like we're on a TV yeah. show, wink, you know. Yeah, people trust their audience a lot more now. They're more willing to accept a fourth wall joke. Um, you know, they're so everywhere. many fourth wall jokes. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I think the idea of looking at the fourth wall and being like, "Oh no, I'm in a TV show," and kind of implying that you're seeing the audience, yeah, through there. Is, is such a weird idea visually, because obviously TV, they're not looking at a particular audience, they're looking at you, the particular viewer. Right. But you know in the back of your mind that they're also looking at every other viewer, right? Right, right. It's, it's, it's a definitely weird... a little weird. Yeah, I think that happens a lot in, uh, in the Teen Titans one, if you want to jump into that one. Yeah, like it's definitely interesting because... Uh, you know, as you were saying, it, it leads to sort of the same shows or the same genre of shows being the ones that sort of get parodied, yeah. parodied um, over and over again. Um, so, yeah. Let's... Also, something that you might see in a lot of these is a lot of them start or some part of it starts with some villain doing the opening to the outer limits. You know, the eye control, the horizontal, the vertical kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just like it's just like a pretty basic joke to do if you have a character <laughs> whose power is controlling television. Yeah. Uh, is to just have them do the outer limits opening. Speaking of that, why don't we jump over to Teen Titans um and Teen Titans Go, uh right. which has we'll sort not of these one of these but three different sucked into the TV type episodes. Um Yeah. So yeah, but probably like, even more that I didn't like notice. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're like Teen Titans Go is so obsessed with the fourth wall and yeah. with the idea that they are a show that they kind of just do this over and over and over again, and they never they never seem to stop thinking it's funny. Right. Um, but it. I mean, but they weren't the first to do this. The original Teen Titans show uh, had one, it was called, uh, episode 257-494, aka Don't Touch That Dial, sort of self-referentially talking about production codes and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, um, and everything kind of ties back to Control Freak, this villain who's like, uh, you know, a a, a nerd. A nerd. There's no other way to say it, he's like a fanboy, and so he sort of imagines himself as the greatest villain on television, and he just invades other television shows to 
be villainous. <laughs> well, right. So he 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 uh, finds a way to basically zap himself into TV world, um, and I think this is a good uh, episode to sort of talk about like how TV world functions um, mm-hmm. in these different shows because in some shows, you know, TV world is its own world. Um, whether or not the show is like a real live show that's taking place on earth, you know, like a nonfiction show or if it's right. a fictional one. And like, it sort of gets a little bit confusing there because sometimes they're on sets or sometimes they're actually in the real world or other times like it's yeah, not the... I think TV trope sort of defines the real world ones as uh, it's a trope refugee from uh, TV land, sort of the mm. opposite of trapped in TV land, um, but still relevant for sure. Well, I mean, I mean, like where, so like in Teen Titans, um, you know, they they also get sucked into the TV, obviously. Um, yeah. And at one point, Raven is on a football field and is like actually tackled by like all of the right. the people. That's a really common joke in all of these things. Yeah. I don't understand how it works. Okay, <laughs> so is there? A separate football game happening in real life where she doesn't appear and get tackled? Or is she appearing where the camera is pointed? You know, that's why a lot of these seem to stray away from reality TV. um, Right. And Um, and game shows and these things. But a lot of the cartoons don't. Yeah. Which is fun. The the cartoons just embrace it because it's so absurd by nature that they're just like, screw it. Um, Right. Because, like, yeah, in this one they also do, like, a sort of... Uh, stunt fest, like X Games slash Bear Grylls kind of crossover. Uh, right. Well, the whole point of that one is just that they have Robin going on <laughs> skis over a big jump, and then there's a shark <laughs> saying that the show has jumped the shark. It's yeah. season four. It's we're entering a new realm of implausibility for yeah. for the Teen Titans, which is yeah. great. It's it's delightful. Um, so, you know, there's that one. There's also one where they appear on a news broadcast and they appear to be in a studio of some kind. But again, it's also not clear if they're actually in the studio or if they are somehow in the TV version of the studio. But so, so right. it's confusing. It's like yeah. a talk show. It kind of looks like Charlie Rose. I, I think it's, it's, it's supposed to be the like evening their... news. Oh, well, there is a Charlie Rose parody as well yes um but they they Um, end up on the evening news and this is where they find out sort of part of the moral of the story ish they find out that because of the interference of the waves that control freak has done it's making people's brains actually rot from watching tv it's it's a pretty basic joke like tv rots your brain in the actual logic of the show right where we you know we we typically think of tv and especially cartoons as being kind of uh such simple media that it that it just turns your brain off so i think it's interesting that tv is conceiving of itself that way and so it kind of makes it work when at the end of the episode um Beast Boy, who has spent his whole life just watching TV, his knowledge of sci-fi uh, and his genre awareness is what helps save the day. Yeah. And so they appear back on uh, back in Titan's Tower, and they're like, so I guess the moral is you shouldn't watch so much TV. <laughs> Wait, but we only succeeded because Beast Boy watches watched so much, so much TV. TV. Yeah. So I guess we didn't learn anything. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great... 
great ending to just like a delightful episode where it's just like chock full of parodies. Um, you know, this is another one like Channel Chasers that just really like packs them all in. Yeah, but there's much more of a focus on this one on on capturing a genre rather than parodying individual TV shows. I think. Yeah, I would I would agree. You know, there's like a a kids show parody which yeah. is like a pelican. I know? love it's like it. there's some great rhymes and people popping in and out of the cartoon world as the pelican rhymes. Right. And then there's like a Barney parody where he's like a big blue aardvark. Yeah. The sloppy mess word. It's like getting <laughs> Right, slimed. yeah, the, the, the word thing, and then they get, uh, somebody it's says oatmeal. like the magic word of the day, yeah. and then they get oatmeal dropped on them, which is a, a reference to you can't do that on television, the Nickelodeon sitcom, which then became the getting slimed. Phenomenon. You know, they do Wiley, they do uh, the Roadrunner, they do Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. Yeah. Because you got to capture, yeah, like Looney Tunes were a, a huge chunk of television programming yeah. for a lot of that early, those early days. Um, and and they, they, I think they really like capture everything in, in this particular episode because they, yeah. they also talk about like soap operas. They have a Leave it to Beaver parody, which you'll see in like all of these. It's a Leave it to <laughs> yeah. Beaver parody to Cheapers. represent 50s sitcoms in their entirety. And like wholesomeness. Um, yeah, uh, they do a game show, they do uh, the news, we said, yep. they, they have some commercials, which Ugh. I think it's interesting which types of commercials they choose to parody. They do like in, a in drug commercial for uh, yeah. Raven's sort of magic catchphrase, Azeroth, right. Metro, Zinthos, New Blues, right. Zinthos. <laughs> yeah, it kind of sounds like a drug name, I guess. It Zinthos. does. I love it. <laughs> I still quote um, that to this day. Maybe that's stupid, <laughs> but I love it. Um, uh, another they, thing that appears in a lot of these is that color test thing that yeah. will appear if, you know, they have to test the signal, I guess. Or, what is you know, that for? I, or I think it was like, um, it would happen if they like turned, if the signal went down or if right. the the channel wasn't receiving a signal. That was sometimes the, the image that would appear. Um, right. But I, I love the way they use it here in that uh, they, like, use the individual panels to, like, slap a creature around a little bit and, like, basically break it yeah. apart. It's fun. I, I think, like, the idea is that a lot of the representations of TV in these parodies is highlighting the, the artificiality of television. Yeah, for sure. So the contrived plots of soap operas, the overly wholesomeness of... 50s sitcoms mm-hmm. um it, it's about like pointing to how television is unlike real life so it, it's sort of pointing to it and laughing at, at how fake it feels which i don't know if that is even true is it fake is it more fake than like movies or books or anything like that right i i mean i don't know that it necessarily is i think it's just um you know, pointing out the artificiality of narrative. And I think, you know, like this one also takes shots at movies too. It's just movies that happen to be on TV. Right. Well, but they're, they're contextualizing it in that these are only television movies. And well, I, I've counted some on this list where they do get sucked into the TV and it is mostly like fifties horror movies or, or, you know, those B movies, mm-hmm. because that was also a huge part of television programming and probably right. what a lot of people 
associate with their childhoods in terms of TV. These like late night horror movie marathon, right? The creature from the Black Lagoon, which you know, we, all the Universal horror movie monsters. Yeah, which we we talked about a little bit in our uh, Halloween specials uh, yeah. block. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, so, so this really does, it, it touches on everything. It's just absolutely delightful, you know, no big lessons, no big plot. It's just straight up like fluff, but it's the most delicious fluff. I love it. But, but Control Freak is like such a good character for this because he's both genre aware, um, he's despicable, you know, he's easy to hate and he's a great villain to just destroy the fourth wall completely which is what they use him for in the reboot of teen titans teen titans go yeah um Um, what do you think of these episodes these are great um i so the first one uh that he shows up in is he basically it's sort of like a response to the fan criticisms of Teen which Titans is something go. that that show never does right they do it all the time it's like every other episode is just responding to fan criticism or you know people who hate them yeah um i i did think that this was sort of a a clever way to do it i didn't hate it um and i yeah. i i kind of liked the way that they sort of cast control freak as this like very possessive fan um yeah. of the teen titans and uh you know how it, it sort of paints but also him as like a like, studio executive right, which is interesting as, as someone who was sort of responsible for rebooting them in the first place um, right, and but so, is now upset that they haven't like won that they haven't won him any awards right. and that they haven't you know performed as well as the the original show. Right, or with the same demographic at least. Sure, um, yeah. And so I mean, they've obviously done very well. He so. basically tricks them into turning into like a Cal Arts type. Uh, like he criticizes them for for their humor being too lowbrow, so right. they switch to doing like puns. Uh, about aristocracy, right? And uh, their animation style is too lazy, so they switch to the CalArts style. Um, and their voice acting is too <laughs> right. Well, he talks about their their voice screaming. acting being too screamy, so they switch to this like overly performative Shakespearean dude who just does everyone's lines. Um, and uh, basically, he he tricks them into rebooting themselves. Um, but then the episode ends with them deciding to just do saving a fart. the world with fart jokes. Yeah, just a fart chorus at him, and then yeah. it reverts back to normal, and uh, <laughs> they continue as as usual. Which you know you got to give them consistency. Good for them. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I there are probably there are definitely other control freak episodes in between, but they're mostly playing with the idea that he's like a studio executive trying to run their lives through the show. Yeah. Um, the one where he actually zaps them into the TV, and I think this is the only time he does this, is in the season five episode Cartoon Feud. Yeah. This is a like, weird one. It's like Family Feud, but <laughs> he decides to bring in the Teen Titans and then the Scooby Gang. Uh, right. And make them, like, fight. And the Scooby gang are just like, why are we here? These guys seem fine. Like, I don't understand. 
Well, they're just being polite is the joke. Right. You know, they're so wholesome compared to modern cartoons. Right. I don't know. It's like they're loud and and obnoxious too. Yeah. And like, I don't know. The Scooby gang, especially in like the newer versions of the cartoon, certainly have a lot more personality than uh, like the original Hanna-Barbera animation did. Yeah. They Um, were just pretty jeepers and golly and gosh. Right. Right. Now they they tend to have real personalities and uh, what have you. Yeah, so (laughs) basically, you know, all the answers to the family feud questions are like, why do the Teen Titans suck so much? Like, what's the most annoying things about the Teen Titans? What are all the ways that the Scooby gang is better than the Teen Titans? And, you know, they all have to try to, like, And then it's just in the format of a family feud episode, which is bizarre. I don't know why you would do it that way. Yeah. Um, but okay. It was it was fine. I guess it parodied, uh, you know, Scooby-Doo and, and continued to, again, point out the criticisms that the fans have of uh, the, the reboot. Right. Um, but again, it's like being sucked into the TV means that you're a TV show commenting about how your life is not enough like this other kind of TV show. It's a sort of self-dialectic where you're saying you're positioning yourself apart from the other tv show you know tv shows of history yeah like we're different we're playing things by our own rules we're not wholesome like the scooby gang which i don't know like you're trying to be rebels Uh, whatever it's definitely more postmodern. it's meta it's irreverent it's uh self-aware Um, And then the last one from Teen Titans Go is TV Night. This one was weird. Yeah, I mean, there were actually five of these. Oh my god. I'm not sure if you watched all of them. No, I did not. uh, It's super weird. It's basically just the idea is they wanted to do shorter sketches and like ideas that weren't big enough for a full episode. Mm -hmm. And so they just contextualized it by having it be Batman's Night Off. And so he and Commissioner Gordon are watching TV. I do have to say, I love that Batman and Commissioner Gordon are just, like, best friend lovers in the show. Yeah, it's a cheeky little joke. I like it. And that Alfred is, like, his dad telling him, like, it's time to go to bed. Right. His dad nanny. Right. Um, Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so just inexplicably all the characters on TV on every channel are... The Teen Titans. Yeah. Why? No reason. Um, so then, like, they the in the first one, it's just, like, they're just doing stuff that isn't funny enough to be a whole episode, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no real pattern. It's not making fun of television in any way. No. It's, it's just, like, short sketches uh, that... Okay. Well, that's, it's strange. different in the rest of them. Because okay. starting with TV Night 2 they start parodying like cooking shows and like uh, My Little Pony and, you know, sitcoms and like everything just becomes a parody of stuff. Uh, But they also have like little rap song interludes by guest musicians. Okay. Um, All right, whatever. They had like a, um, (laughs) they had like a, a rap song sung by Silky, their pet worm. And a, sure. a, a rap song done by uh, Robin's Birdarang. Um, 
Okay, I like, I don't know, whatever. They also had a song about a character that I don't, I'm not familiar with from their show called Sticky Joe, who is, I guess, a homeless man. Oh, yes. Who they make fun of. Cool. Um, Highlights in this one are a weirdly out-of-time hillbilly moment parody. Remember the hillbilly moment from the Amanda show? That was like a sketch they did? Oh, yeah. So they had Robin and Starfire as the hillbillies, but then they like cut off, instead of doing a punchline, they say like, we are uneducated because of the, you know, the American education system, sort of like deconstructing what a hillbilly is, Uh which is kind of weird because no one's made a joke about hillbillies in like five years, ten years. I mean, I can't remember. There's definitely like redneck jokes. And redneck jokes are different. I mean, they're very class based, but like hillbillies are I mean, a particular kind of class based humor that I don't think exists anymore. I guess. I or I think the word hillbilly itself is out of use, but I feel like redneck and hillbilly are very closely similar associated. All right. That's basically all that I have to say about Teen Titans Go. There are some other parodies in there, but they're not worth remarking on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. So for the most part, not nearly, uh, up to the one episode punch of Teen Titans, the original. I mean, I guess it's like, they don't really explain that they're sucked into the TV, but they'd have to be, right? They have to be. Because they're in TV parodies. Yeah. They just don't explain it with, like, any kind of logic, like all these other shows have super villains to do it. I mean, but that's, like, the point of Teen Titans Go, is that, like, don't look for logic in this show. It's just whatever is the most exciting, fun thing that we can put on the screen. Yeah. I guess the, the other way that you can get sucked into a TV show, besides being physically sucked into the TV, like if it's not a sci-fi or, or, a fantasy. or a fantasy show, um, you can usually get it done with just a coma or a yep. dream sequence. Yep. Um, do you want to go over some of those examples? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so the first one is My Name is Earl has like a whole subplot uh, over across like four episodes. Uh, right. My Name is Earl is weird that way. They, they really like to do the continuity thing. It's fun. <laughs> Uh, but so basically he, he ends up in a coma, uh, because he gets hit by a car. Um, and as he explains it, when he's in so much pain, his mind goes to like the happiest place he can imagine, which is a fifties sitcom basically. Uh, but this one's interesting because it, it starts out as very much a fifties sitcom, but like, because it includes characters from his real life, like people from his real life, it, it definitely feels more and more like a like even 70s sitcom right well but this is the thing that i find interesting right is like it's another example of this tv show situating itself apart from television as it existed before mm-hmm. but in this case the the main point of distinction that they're making is that my name is earl is about lower class middle america individuals and not right prim and proper suburban middle class, right. which is what sitcoms were for a, a really long time. Yeah, for sure. Um, and still continue to be for like certain. Yeah. I mean the shows. middle and the Goldbergs. And, <laughs> right. Yeah. Whatnot for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like my name is Earl is kind of bragging to itself, I guess that like we're able to have subversive characters like the crab man and, <laughs> you know, Earl's bitchy ex-wife. Right, like, right. I don't, 
I don't know how progressive it is, but that was something that that the creators were always, uh, you know, proud of was that they were portraying a different side of America, I guess. Right, right. Yeah, so so in that one, he's sort of basically, he's got a dream wife in there who I think is one of the characters on the show. Yeah, it's this character that he'd fallen in love with in the previous season, yeah, Um, earlier in the season. Yeah, and, you know, hijinks sort of go on in his real life that somewhat affect what happens in like the sitcom version of life that's going on in his brain. Um, and you know, they do like the nosy neighbor trope and the like yeah. too many toasters as a wedding gift, like <laughs> joke. I don't know if that's based on anything. It's just I, I a lame like joke that would be in a 50s sitcom. It's like, it's gotta be or something like that. Um, right. You know, so so they they tick a lot of boxes there. He, he does like wacky hijinks, and they do yeah. one where they have to draw a line down the middle of the the room. Classic, classic, classic trope. Classic. We should do that one sometime. <laughs> the line down the middle. <laughs> the line down the middle. Um, and they it's great. They do it over top of the baby, who you know he of course like flips so that the soiled diaper is on his wife's side, and he's like, oh, it's on your side of the line. Got him. Got him. Don't you um, wish that real life could be more like TV is kind of the, the sense that yeah, you're getting. That's, but that's definitely then real it. life infects TV and adds complication, and that's the stuff of life. You know, that's what makes life worth living. Kind right, of thing, and, right, and that's sort of what reminds him or, I guess, prompts him to wake up from his coma is that... Uh, you know, he was kind of ready to, like, die. Like, his character had grown old. And he was like, wait a minute, this isn't right. This isn't how my life really is or should be. I I gotta wake up. Um, and yeah. sort of comes back to reality. Then there's a day-by-day episode, which is a dream. Yeah, d- who watches day-by-day? I don't know. I've never seen this before. Julia Louis-Dreyfus's brief role before Seinfeld. Um but uh, th- this was just an, an episode that was parodying the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Uh, and it does so by having one of the characters watch a Brady Bunch marathon and then dream that he is a, a member of the Brady family. Right. And um, this is one of those uh, those episodes that is very much along the lines of, I wish my parents were like TV parents. Right. Because they're punishing me because I didn't study for my test and I just watched the Brady Bunch. I wish I was a Brady. Yeah, no one ever gets punished on the Brady Bunch. Yeah, like it turns out that it's just needless complication where people are trying to create conflict for the sake of an episode. Right. Um, I mean, it's the, it's the interesting thing. It's like we think of TV as comforting, but TV is driven by conflict. Like yeah. every part of TV is 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 either you know some secret is being held or somebody's trying to kill you or something. There's always <laughs> right. conflict. Right. So there's there's always conflict, but it's conflict that is usually resolved within thirty minutes to forty minutes. You know, like right. it's it's. But conflict. sometimes not. I mean, like there's. I mean, there's a lot more continuity now in television, yeah. so yeah. maybe this type of criticism is going to go away, but uh, it's it seems like, at least for the 2000s as a decade, and, the, and also the 90s and the 80s, the idea of television, you make fun of it by saying, oh, 
it's TV isn't like real life because it's episodic. It's not serialized. Right. Exactly. And, and like, that's, um, you know, so they have the actual Brady bunch, uh, in day by day, but they're all much older. Um, and I think, but they're all just pretending to be the same age as they were when they were Right. Like one of them is pregnant. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, Um, It was funny. And so, you know, but like the, the thing that sort of freaks him out is that, you know, everything stays the same is that the characters right. just do the same thing over and over and over again. Mrs. Brady. Has I think a it's actually coffee. pretty funny. I really like this one. I, um, I thought it was good too. They keep doing like a joke where, um, <laughs> you know, dad Brady, I don't know. I never watched the Brady one. Yeah. Dad Brady is like, you know, he'll start a speech, but then kind of cut himself off and just say, I'm glad we had this talk. Um, and, Mrs. Brady just keeps drinking coffee. Yeah. Just constantly. Right. Um, there's a joke where um, they say, you know, me and my brother, we're going to go fix our bikes. Um, and then it's like, well, do you want to ride your bike to the mall? Oh, we don't ride our bikes. We just fix <laughs> them. <laughs> and all the Brady men have perms. So, you know, yeah. he has to get a perm. Yeah, it's whatever it was. And clearly all of the members of the Brady Bunch are like having a blast, like sending up yeah. their well, show. Maybe. I don't know. It's possible that they hate it. Um, maybe. That they hate people making fun of them and their <laughs> characters. I don't know. It seems like they're having a good time. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a fun episode uh, to just sort of like watch. Yeah. And then they kind of do a self-referential thing where at one point Jan says, I wish I was on the Partridge family, you know. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of want to see a sort of nesting doll version of this where... um, (laughs) The Brady's end up in the Partridge family. (laughs) Right, a nesting doll where one character wishes that he was on TV and then another character from that show wishes that they were on TV and it just keeps going forever. Forever, forever. The real Russian doll. (laughs) Um, yeah. there's also another, uh, show that I never watched, but, you know, classic sitcom, Growing Pains. Um, Growing Pains. This one's more of a classic than Day by Day, I think. People know this one. Yeah. Um. This is a very meta episode, um, that we'll see other... This is the sort of refugee from TV land thing we we were referencing earlier. Yeah. Um, because Ben wishes life could be more like TV, but instead of going into TV... He ends up on the set of a sitcom called Meet the Seavers, which is just growing pains. Yeah, basically growing pains. Um, And, you know, all the actors are themselves, and they're like, this guy's crazy. Like, what's he talking about? (laughs) They make a joke about how two of the sibling characters are dating in real life. (laughs) Their actors are, I should say. Yeah. Um, It's 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 enjoyable the poor kid you know of course is like panicking and this one gets weird in that like the one brother is like of course i'm your brother i've been trapped here for 20 years or like whatever Uh, (laughs) right that's an interesting twist that it's instead of him being the only one who recognizes it his brother is like Finally, I'm not alone in this horror dimension where everybody thinks I'm a character in a TV show. All right. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. But so, uh, you know, he eventually wakes up and it was all a dream. Um, and he right. sort of goes to his parents and is like, listen, I really am sorry for taking the car out when I don't have a driver's right. license. Again, it's about punishment and how, for some reason, the idea is that on TV, kids are not punished as much. 
which in my experience has never been the case. Yeah, like, they're always punished and they just like get That's where the episode ends, I guess, is the point. Like after you punish them, it cuts to credits because there's no point in watching somebody be grounded. It's not interesting TV. Yeah. But yeah, like that seems to be the conception of a lot of the kids in these shows that like, oh, if I lived in TV, I wouldn't get punished for anything bad I do. And so that happens in the Meet the Seavers universe, but he's like, it wouldn't go down like that. My parents would have punished me. Yeah. This isn't real. (laughs) I want my real parents. Like, I don't want But his real parents are still sitcom characters. Right. Alan Thicke is not his real dad. I know. It's... it's, Whatever. It's quite a... It's that weird... Uh, disconnect between the fact that it's a TV show about a character wanting to go back to real life, but it's right. still just the TV show. Um, I, I think, think that's the, actually the last. No, there's, um, there's Scrubs, coma, right? Uh, the so, last... so like, yeah, Scrubs is like a fantasy sequence, but it's the last like coma or dream sequence that we have on this list. Let's talk about Scrubs real fast. Scrubs is. Like, in the genre that I would call multi-camera sitcoms making... F- or, sorry, single-camera sitcoms making fun of multi-camera sitcoms. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Which is a pretty common thing on this list, even if it, like, is only for a scene. Um, but, yeah. basically, uh, Zach Braff... What's his name? Uh, JD. Right. JD meets the writer for Cheers who is dying of cancer. Um, and so... He just imagines that what would life be like if it, we were on Cheers? Yeah. And so it switches to a, a multi-camera format instead of a single cam, right. which so, comes with a laugh track. Mm-hmm. And, you know, more family-friendly jokes, I guess. Like, um, I mean, I guess. Or, or just, like, sim- more simple jokes, like, more kind of sure. obvious jokes. Um, it also comes with, uh, you know, sexier outfits for the the female co-stars. Right. That aspect I didn't get because Cheers was not well known for sex appeal. Well, I mean, I don't think it's just Cheers. I think it's also, right. it's like, all mo- modern appeal. multicam, you know, of the 90s where it was, like, the hot wife or, like, all the women are right. slightly I'll, hotter. I'll buy know? it. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's they need to either fire a cafeteria worker or find $27,000. And, of course, there's conveniently a talent show. Right, but, for... but this is the interesting part, is that, like, the the fantasy sequence doesn't start until halfway through the episode. Yeah. But all the, like, conflicts in the, like, multicam universe are the same as in their real life. Right. They're just sort of elevated a little bit. And yeah. And so you have a, a talent show instead of... You know, the guy just getting fired. And right. you have, um, you know, playful misunderstandings instead of two, a, a married couple arguing right. um, about their relationship problems. And you have uh, the person having his... Uh, <laughs> the person who's dying of cancer. Oh, whoops, we mixed up your chart with right. this anti-Semite. And it's okay <laughs> if he dies. Right. Well, and also, uh, you know, like... Oh, well, we'll make your last few days, we'll fill your bucket list, you know? We'll take you to a carnival for the first time and go in a hot air balloon and face our fears, you know? Right. Like, it's a, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty common sort of trope in, in sitcoms. I, I yeah. think I've seen that before. Yeah. Um, you know, and but of course, the real episode ends with saying, like, but life isn't like a sitcom. 
There's no easy endings. Uh, you know, your relationship right. Which problems. is weird because it is a sitcom <laughs> with a lot of easy endings to a lot of their plots, right? I mean, I mean there's more I, continuity in Scrubs than there was in Cheers, but yes. not by that much. I mean, I would say that, you know, it, it varies episode by episode. I think Scrubs does usually end on sort of like bittersweet notes, you know, where they're... Because it's still also... It's a comedy, but it's also a hospital drama. Like, that's that's the sort of grounding element of Scrubs, I guess. And so, you know, I, I, I think it ends on a nice note. Um, it, it's a fun episode. Yeah. Um, it, that's a good one. Uh, let's just jump to another random one. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple one where it's only like a quick scene. So let's talk about those. The, the sure. Simpsons has a quick scene in one of their Trias of Horrors where the kids are sucked into the... Uh, itchy and scratchy, scratchy cartoon. So the world operates on cartoon logic, which again, weird because The Simpsons also sometimes operates on cartoon logic. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. And then it's just the violence of the show yeah. is displaced. Yeah. Like, you know, Bart shoves plutonium into the remote battery slot and that's how they like end up zapping themselves in in the first <laughs> place. And, you right. know... Bart gets uh, eaten by piranhas at one point, but then, you know, to fix them, they have to press rewind on the remote, uh, you right. know. It's a magic remote. There, yeah. oh, there's a lot of magic remotes in here. Yeah. It just it just is the way it is because remote it's, control. It's magic. That, that's an interesting thing is, like, if this trope had started earlier, maybe it would have been different because... Uh, there didn't used to be remote controls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but again, I think that goes back to why this is such a modern trope. You know, right. it's this idea that we have this magic wand that gets to take us to this place that never changes. Um, right, yeah. And, and that's because, like you said, that's what history was, or that's what uh, TV was for a lot of history. Right. There's also a proud family. The proud family has a, a weird little scene that just comes out of nowhere in the middle of a random episode where Oscar, the dad from the Proud Family, just gets sucked into the TV for no reason. I mean, it's not a magical TV or anything. And then he just gets tackled by football players for, like, a minute. (laughs) For comedy. For Uh, comedy. And then he comes back out. Though I think, you know, like, part of that episode is low-key that, uh, like, Peebo, I think is the name of the the kid, is, like, low-key kind of, like, magical-y esque like you know he's always able to like appear in the house no matter how many times he sort of gets like kicked out i think it's just like cartoon logic but it's Um, just weird like he's just fixing the tv and then just whoops it might also be that it might also be that yeah there's there's also an uh a new zealand version of goosebumps that's called a freaky and (laughs) this one you know it's it's like a three-part uh, show and and the the third part of uh, this one episode called Mirror Hitcher and Sitcom, um, Sitcom obviously is uh, the one where yeah. a girl like fails a math test and her like accountant dad it's the best he's like if you fail this math test you'll never grow up to be an accountant like me <laughs> like me and your mother and it's just like yelling at her about this and she's like math's stupid i'm going to the mall or i'm leaving and she's like not supposed to go to the mall but she does and then at the mall there's a salesman who's like try our basically like 
enhanced reality TV, which basically sucks her inside of it, and she becomes part of, like, a sitcom family. Um, but right. the sitcom the family... The horror of being in a sitcom. This right. kind of screen nightmares that, yeah. like... When the when the line between reality and TV is blurred, that's a, a horrible thing. And to be kind of trapped because a you know a TV show is also taking place within a TV screen. Right. So the the feeling of being trapped is kind of like a horror thing in that you're just like in a claustrophobic little box. Right. Right. Um. I mean, that's that's less of the issue in this one. It's more the horror of like this family is going to send her away to like a Swiss boarding school to like, because she's so good at math in this universe. Um, (laughs) And they're replacing her with like a talking dog. uh, And she's like, Oh no, this is terrible. I hate it. And then like manages to zap herself out. uh, And then, you know, goes home and is like, I love you, mom and dad. Thanks for punishing me. (laughs) And they're like, actually, like, we figured that we should help you instead of just punish you. So we've gotten you a Swiss uh, tutor to teach you this. Also, we want to apologize for being so mean earlier. So we got you a dog. And it's like. Oh, no. The TV show was real. Or, or like, it's becoming real. But it's, like, all positive. But but she's like, oh, no. It just doesn't make any sense as, like, really a, a horror narrative. Um, it's, it's definitely flawed in that way. Yeah. Um, a couple of just random cartoon examples <laughs> that uh, I don't think we need to spend much time on. Yeah. Uh, the Mask cartoon. Oh, had, my God. You know, God. Jim Carrey's The Mask. This one was weird. Well, it's pretty standard, I think. It's yeah. The supervillain is a TV guy who wants to bring back his version of Twin Peaks. <laughs> because, blah. And so he zaps the mask onto TV world, and then he's stuck there. Yeah, well, but I I like how he gets out, um, is he finds a, like, live news broadcast and goes there and then is back in the real world. Like, I, I sort of enjoy that consistency, I guess. Sure, yeah. It's an interesting little take. Uh, there's also, choice. you know, TV zombies, TV rotting your brain, same as the Teen Titans one. Yes, yes, that is also part of this, is that the interference with the TV waves um, is destroying people's minds. Um, yeah. There was also the 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 Robert Bakshi Mighty Mouse cartoon, Mighty Mouse New Adventures, which was, had a brief run. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> I... was like... It was like a character on TV being teleported to other TV shows. Yeah. Because, you know, Mighty Mouse was frequently would break the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like there's a toddler who is changing the channels while watching Mighty Mouse is I guess the premise. Uh, yeah. And so Mighty Mouse pops into the other, uh, you know, episodes as well. I, I love yeah. the Flintstones Jetsons mashup. That is yeah, this the one, Jetstones. the Jetstones. Yeah, basically all of these parodies are um, are are Hanna Barbera parodies, yeah. which makes sense because Mighty Mouse comes from that zone. Yeah. Uh, the only ones that don't fit in that are they do a Rocky and Bullwinkle parody, which is also cheap children's animation, and the idea is like. Uh, Robert Bakshi hated all of these cartoons from Hanna-Barbera because they were just cheaply made, mass-produced. There was no artistic merit to mm. them. 
you know, there was no heart to them, and the animation budgets were abysmal. Nothing right. moved like right. a cartoon. Um, so he was part of, like, the, the guys who ended up bringing in that 90s wave of, like, artistic expression in, in animation. Right. So this is him commenting on what's come before. But he's also making fun of, like, Saturday morning cartoons, which also had very limited animation budgets, like yeah. uh, the real Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. So they call it the real Gagbusters, and they're serious anime boys who right. hate jokes. <sighs> All right, whatever. I get it. Or, I I mean, it's, it's like, both a Ghostbusters parody and, like, an a- anime parody in one, where it's like, what yeah. are these cartoons that aren't funny? Terrible! I hate it! <laughs> I guess that's, I guess that's what he thinks. He probably likes anime, though. I, I mean, mean, you can definitely see that influence on a lot of his, like, film work, but anyway. Yeah. Um, Moving on. That's, that's Mighty Mouse. Um... We we also have two sort of uh, Ghostbusters episodes, uh, the real Ghostbusters. Right. I don't know if either of them count though. Like, because we're they're both weird. We decided to limit this one not you know to TV shows going into other TV shows. Right. Uh, you know, not movies where they go on to the TV, or yeah. not uh, you know TV shows where they get sucked into a movie. So this one. I don't know if it counts. Yeah, because in this one, you know, they have TV ghosts who, like, pop out of a television. You know, like, the TV is right. haunted, and, and so it spits out, like, real versions of, like, monster versions of TV what's on TV. objects. Yeah. So, I mean, possibly notable because it has another Leave it to Beaver parody called yeah. Leave it to Woodchuck, which yeah. all these shows have a Leave it to Beaver parody. It's great. Um you know, they, they also do the, like, uh, a commercial parody in this one as well. Uh, but then yeah. there's another one, which I, I feel like this one might count, where it's like a Walt Disney-type character's mansion has been, like, haunted or something. Yeah, so they get sucked into cartoon land. Yeah. Which is kind of like TV world, it's especially sort of... in this time. Yeah, it it also seems similar to like Roger Rabbit, like Toon World a little bit, uh, Toon exploitation. That seemed to be like the weird theme of it is like the Toons were seeking revenge on like Walt Frisbee right. or whatever his name was, uh, <laughs> yeah. and because he he initially just like dreamed them up, but then made. Cartoon Land a real place and would like just film things happening to people there and yeah. so like they were taking revenge by like dropping him through trap doors as many times as they had been dropped and pieing right. him in the face and what have but you but again it's like, it's like oh I wish life was more like a cartoon no you don't they're already cartoons yeah it's the it's, real ghostbusters it, like that's the especially weird thing where uh you know characters who are already cartoons are like whoa i'm a cartoon now and you're like <laughs> but you always were you know you gotta sort of squint at it a little bit yeah um oh we did skip one that was uh imagination based as well I'm realizing the the Rugrats episode. Sure, yeah, that yeah, it's but it, I guess I skipped it because it was a it was a cartoon as well, and uh, the power of the Rugrats imagination transcends reality. So. I mean, yes, um, yeah. The, basically, the TV goes out, and so all the kids climb into a cardboard box and just make up their own TV shows. It's great. Um, I, I like it. Uh, this one, 
surprisingly has like fewer like cartoon references and sitcom references that like kids might get yeah and instead is like a game show a makeup commercial parody uh soap opera parody called right. the teeny and the tiny you know, <laughs> like the young and the restless right um the evening news and then a police procedure right like It's weirdly not kid-centric. I kind of like that, though, because I feel like, you know, as a a young kid, if you just end up, like, flipping through channels or or watching TV with your parents, you know, this is, like, the weird stuff that you sort of see and don't really understand. Um, And so, like, here's someone sort of making a digestible, goofy version of that boring stuff your parents watch. Yeah, this one is interesting because it's not just TV through TV's eyes. It's TV through adults' idea of what kids are watching when they're watching TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's and then acting that out. Um, right. It's, it's um, really There's fun. a nice little, like, speech that the, the babies give when they're like, TV was our best friend. It was our window to the world. Um, but by the end, they're, you know, basically treating it like it's just a big box with lots of people who live inside of it. Right. We just got to be inside it and make the story happen. And, you know, the parents yeah. are like, maybe we'll leave the TV broken for a little bit because this is right. so It's another wholesome. sort of anti-TV TV show. Yeah. Where it's like, imagination is better than TV. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of uh, cartoons on, on this. I would say it's majority cartoons yeah but even like the live action shows are cartoons like community yeah that's true that's true which is another coma that we missed yeah i mean it's (laughs) this one is uh it's interesting because um you know, you could you could also argue that uh, if if we're gonna count the coma, we can also count um, Abed's Christmas episode where everything is Rankin Bass stop right. motion. Uh, but this one but, is. But that one is different because <laughs> it's just that he's he's just saying that they're animated, right. and so we're seeing them as animated. But all the other characters know that they're not animated, right? Um, Whereas in this one... It's all in Jeff's mind. It's Jeff is in a coma, and he is in a parody of G.I. Joe called G.I. Jeff. Yeah, it's great. Uh, because, you know, um, it's it basically parodies, again, like, little low animation budget, um, but then all the things you don't see cartoon characters do, um, you know, so, right. like, Jeff... You never see them kill each other. Right, you so never Jeff... See them actually kills uh like the cobra commander and like all the cartoon people are like what the fuck do we do no one's ever killed anyone before like (laughs) we've been shooting at each other for years but no one dies like what is this and then you know the the other characters um are kind of like uh, you know, we got to get out of the TV. How do we get out? Well, we have to go through the the second layer of the medium, which is kids' toy commercials. Yeah. Right. It's the boundary between cartoon and reality is kids' TV commercials, where you see the kids playing with the toys right. from the TV show. So there's, like, a great <laughs> layer to it where it... <laughs> Or, you know, like the kid, like there's a, a narrator narrating the uh, cartoon commercial. And the kid's like making him zoom around and he's like, he's doing this on his own. And he like rockets <laughs> away. Yep. And then uh, and then he gets back to real life and he realizes that he's getting older. Yeah. Um, 
And that, but that, that it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Just like Timmy Turner. And it's great because it ends, uh, the tag for that episode is like, uh, here's the, the, today's lesson, kids, where Britta's <laughs> like, don't spray paint things. And, you know, <laughs> is is trying to impart like a real message. And Ahmed's like, no, you got to keep it simple at the end of a sitcom so people can digest <laughs> it. And she's like, that's what their problem is. And he's like, too late. <laughs> episode's over yeah it's you know Britta her character is defined by her long complex political screeds yeah so she gives that to the kids um because her characters in the G.I. Joe world is called Buzzkill she's got a buzz saw for an arm makes sense to me I love it I also love the rejected G.I. Joe uh characters that show up in the G.I. Joe prison right (laughs) sleep apnea shark hands (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, and Sleep Apnea is just Dan Harmon, yeah. just sitting there. Uh, um, other cartoons, Kim Possible had one. Oh, so you good. Might, you guys might remember. God, I have not watched Kim Possible in so long, and going back and watching this was just absolutely delightful. I had never been, like, a big Kim Possible guy. I don't know why it didn't connect with me, but uh, I, this episode was fine. <laughs> it was basically just the same as, you know, your average, like sucked into the TV episode. Yeah. You know, they go through a bunch of different TV shows. They have a puppet show and a Star Trek parody. <laughs> I would say this one is similar to Channel Chasers in that, you know, it, it, it's or I guess Teen Titans, really. It's more similar to Teen Titans yeah. where they're sort of just like randomly being propelled throughout these channels because of like a dimension vortex or what have you. Right. Um, you know, and... They, it's great because the villains are in there with them. So like you get to see like uh, Draco and Sh- and uh, Shigo, um, or it's not Draco, it's Draken. That's what it is. Draken and Shigo like put in all these ridiculous situations where she's like a nurse on like a hospital procedural, and you know he's yeah. on like a game show, and you know just ridiculous things uh, yeah. happening to I, them. I think the the the. The most notable thing in this one is Evil Eye for the Bad Guy. I loved Evil Eye for the Bad Guy. A, obviously a parody of, of Queer Eye. Yeah. Um, and it's just they're super villains who give Draken a makeover. Yeah. And That's they, it. It's funny. They fix up his lair. It's it's very fun. Um, there's a fun uh, uh, Star Trek. There's Star Trek also pops up in a lot of these. Um, again, right. sort of that class classic uh tv touchstone yeah um, in, in the kim possible episode they make a joke about if you're wearing a red shirt you're gonna die right it's star trek yeah um they have a the one at one point they flash to that <laughs> 1670s show i love this which is a, a parody of the seven that a, 70s show as a kid i did not get this at all but like seeing it now i was like oh i love this this is delightful <laughs> right but like what kid i don't know do kids watch that at the time i, I mean, don't know like older kids maybe because like i definitely watched that maybe. 70s show in my youth um i just don't know if it was my kim possible watching youth right um a parody of friends called pals and they have catchphrases yeah they make a joke about their catchphrases i guess that's it. That's Kim Possible. Yeah, that's Kim Possible. It was, it was Oh, great. there's also, I guess, notable in Kim Possible is the fact that they keep talking about how about cable as, like, a new thing. Yeah. But also as, like, a thing that everybody's already got. Um, kind of an advertisement for Disney Channel itself, maybe. 
<laughs> as a cable channel? Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to do DuckTales next? Uh, yeah. Uh, That's a good one. There was a good one in the 2017 reboot of DuckTales, which... Uh, which is great. They're doing Quack Pack, which was the weird sequel series to the original DuckTales, which just had Donald watching Huey, Dewey, and Louie as teenagers. Um, this one comes about because Donald wishes that uh, life could be more like TV yeah. on a genie who featured in the DuckTales movie, which is another <laughs> weird reference to the DuckTales lore. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because it opens sort of like in media res, and then we like only find yeah. out later that the reason that this is all happening is because Donald made this wish on a genie that he like right found. and of course who is the one who uh who figures this out but the duck that's played by Danny Pudi yeah who also plays Abed so Meta. all the characters that he plays I guess are are supernaturally aware of their genre and the and medium right and he you know he notices a laugh track and this is another one where they yeah. acknowledge the fourth wall and they all look out at the audience and are like oh whoa <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it's interesting that they look out at a studio audience instead of looking out and seeing uh, a TV People. watching audience on their couch at home. Yeah, yeah. Which is something. Um, but, you know, this one is just full to the brim of, like, classic sitcom tropes. It's great because Donald yeah. has, like, a real voice. Uh, he's not just, like, yeah. the, like, quacking monstrosity that is normally his voice. Right, he wishes that they could be, like, a normal family, yeah. so he has a normal voice. Right, and, um, you know, the the whole issue is he wants to take a family photo, and they have to get the office ready in time, and... Then yeah. the photographer doesn't show up or someone thinks he's a spy. And so, yeah. and they all have a catchphrase. Um, that's like a, par- a parody at one point as they all say their catchphrase. Yeah. They've got, uh, they've got a whacking, a, a wacky dancing transition, kind of like in that 70s show. Yeah. And I'm sure that's from actual 70s sitcoms as yeah. well. Um, and they've got uh, soda commercials and product placement, and product placement ends up saving the day. Yeah. Um, they do a joke about lower third ads, you know, those things where you've got the two guys <laughs> leaning against each other. Like in the corner. You know, in the corner advertising a, a new show that's coming out. Right. Um, TV executives call them snipes. Um, just a little tidbit there. Uh, they have a flashback at one point. And then Goofy even shows up. Yeah, guest star. As, like, the wacky neighbor. But then, and, and you know, they all think he's part of the genie magic. But no, it turns out Goofy just, like, was actually there the whole time. <laughs> um, right, because that's just what Goofy... It's Goofy, like man. And, you know, he, he delivers the heartwarming speech about family and how, you know, the best photos aren't the staged ones. They're the ones that, you know, capture real life as you're living it with your family. Right. And that's why... You know, Donald wishes that everything be, go back the way it was. Right. Um, also, the studio audience become ravenous zombies that uh, try to attack them. <laughs> yeah. Because they've they've rebelled against the illusion of the sitcom. Yeah. You know, they'll got to keep them in their place. Um, they also explain that the reason that the show is like a '90s sitcom, the, the show that they're in, uh, is because the genie has been trapped in the bottle <laughs> since the '90s. Yeah. For so long, since the 1990s, whoa. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, this is just, like, fan service out the wazoo, and it kind of works within its own story. So, I mean, lots of props to the writers on DuckTales. I think they're doing a great job. Yeah. 
It's it's delightful. More ducks. Let's do more ducks. Oh, Darkwing Duck. Yeah. This one's both the the sucked into the real world and sucked into the TV. Yeah. They do both. It's very strange. <laughs> well, you know, Darkwing Duck, he's a superhero, so of course you have a supervillain who invents a device that can take you into TV. It's basically a control um, freak, or control freak is basically this. Right. So in the beginning, you know, uh, Megavolt is the character's name, is like jumping into all these different uh, TV shows, like a Jeopardy parody and a show called Opal Windbag, which is Oprah Oprah Winfrey, Winfrey, of course. Um, They do a horror B-movie thing again, you know, black and white movies. Yeah. They do a Carson reference. He says, like, here's Megavolt. (laughs) And then they bust out of the TV and they're in the real world, but it's still animated. And they go and visit the the executive producer of the show that they are on. Yeah, who apparently came up for the idea for the show by putting on this helmet that gave him, like, access to their dimension of reality. And he just basically writes down what actually happens. And so, you know, Darkwing is like... plagiarist. Right, is like, cut me in on the Profits, man. Uh, but I, I do love that they're just like, everyone's noses here are really weird. <laughs> like, what are these weird mutants, yeah. these humans? Uh, yeah, but then at the end, it's it's also funny that, like, they destroy the thing that's allowing him to copy the, uh, the, the Darkwing Duck universe. Yeah. But it, now it's tuned into the Chip, <laughs> Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers <laughs> universe. So yeah. they have a new show. <laughs> Yeah, uh, very event. Again, very meta, very about the business of TV. Um, right, yeah. You know, making fun of all, all the classics. Um, 50s right. sitcoms, soap operas, talk shows, quiz shows, etc. Did you know before going through this list that Bill and Ted had two TV shows? I did not. I knew only of the movie... And uh, right. that was it. And now I live in a world where I know that there is not only a Bill and Ted uh, live action <laughs> sitcom, but a Bill and Ted cartoon as well. Yeah, I believe the cartoon came first. I would believe it. But that's a weird one. So they just go into an episode of Leave it to Beaver, but it's, you know, a parody. And then they just are in that episode, even though their machine is supposed to be like a time machine, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 very weird. I I don't know. <laughs> the Bill and Ted ones were weird. The whole point is that like uh, in the cartoon one, they go to leave it to Beaver Land yeah. and they make fun of the fact that it's in black and white and that the kids aren't stylish. So they take the kids to the modern day and dress them up in like eighties Bill and Ted clothes, nineties yeah. Bill and Ted clothes, and teach them how to be cool um, and excellent, and teach them how to be cool. The plot goes basically nowhere, and there's like a threat that Leave It to Beaver is going to get destroyed by their presence there, but it doesn't make any sense, and they don't explain it. Yeah, and they're like the villain of Leave It to Beaver tries to like escape, or he tries to take over the show yeah. because the main characters are missing. Right, it's just but confusing. it doesn't work, and it's it's confusing. And then the Bill and Ted live. The action show is less confusing but more terrible but just way more transphobic <laughs> and like <laughs> right. awful uh so like his, the one guy is who is it ted's stepmom uh yeah or no it's bill's stepmom bill's stepmom. uh who's like a young woman barely older than him uh right that's the joke yeah she 
loves the soap opera and that's what gets her in the mood to have sex. But then it turns out that the steamy, like male love interest is going to like have a sex change operation to become a woman. Right. And she's like, I can't watch this show. How could they? He's so handsome, wasting and right. becoming so, a woman. So Bill and Ted zap themselves into the show to convince a character not to transition. Yeah. And they do it in like the worst way possible. <sighs> and that like this character was apparently being tricked into thinking they wanted to transition by a blackmailed therapist. And but it's not even like, they don't even say like, you've tricked me into transitioning, but like, you've encouraged me to follow my truth. Yeah. Is like the line that he, the line that she uses, I guess. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's confusing it's very in this confusing. case because it's a fictional character within a fictional show. Right. And so you know, it's also stupid because they only get involved because, because his dad isn't getting laid. They can't use the garage to like do their band practice right. anymore. And that's the only reason. Again, stupid contrived sitcom plot. It's, but it's gross. The joke, they're making fun of the fact that soap operas have even more contrived and, and secret based plots. So they right. just like recap a bunch of twists and turns yeah. in the soap opera universe. And like, that's supposed to be a joke like on soap operas, but it's like your plot is stupid too. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's pretty dumb. There, there's a couple of other dumb ones, like the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo. They are inside like a Frankenstein movie and, you know, have to zap out. Yeah. Like it's pretty, pretty basic stuff there. For those of you who don't know the, the plot of the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo, it's like oh, the weird outlier of the Scooby-Doo universe. Yeah. There's no Velma. There's no Fred. There's no Shaggy. There's just oh, there Flim Shaggy. Flam and Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah. It's, I don't understand. They're very strange. Um, Flim Flam is like a kid who does like magic tricks, I think. And I Vincent Van Gogh is Vincent Price just being Vincent Price. Yeah. And also, uh, <laughs> and, and also being a wizard <laughs> who needs to capture ghosts. Uh, a couple of other notable ones. Um, there's a couple like Disney Channel live action ones. There's the the famous Jet Jackson uh, TV show, which its finale was sort of this like movie where yeah. Jet Jackson and his TV character that he plays like Silverwing uh, or something like that. Um, kind of switch places through like a right. again like a fictional. So again, it's both trapped in TV land and refugee from TV land yeah. at the same time. Yeah, and also maybe all fake, but maybe real. Like the grandmother confirms that it's real, but it's kind of <laughs> just like it's basically about the kid trying to come to terms with whether or not he wants to continue being on this TV show or not. And then right. like the silver wing from the TV show deciding about whether or not he wants to go back into the TV show because he likes just being a normal kid. Um, right. So, yeah. you know, it's Silverstone, right? Silverstone. That's what the, it is. Yeah. That's the name of the show yeah. that he's on. Yeah. I never watched the famous Jack Jackson. Me either. I think this was a know. little bit before our time. We were a little bit yeah. young for it. Um, uh, apparently the, the actor, uh, committed suicide somewhat recently oh, dang. so it, it kind of is uh, it's not it's not really a show to go back to i don't think i don't know <laughs> damn <laughs> sort of at a loss now i don't know i've just felt like i had to bring that up that the actor is yeah I, I felt like it'd be weird to not bring it up it's weird to bring it up too i mean that's that's fair i i enjoyed it, it i think it was 
you know, it was fine. It was very Disney Channel, very saccharine, very, you know, family is uh, is important and be true to yourself right. kind of stuff. I think now we're getting into the juicy s- stuff. Yeah. That's all that's left is real juicy stuff. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> well, there's, there's also the That's So Raven episode where, you know, she's got like oh, yeah. a soup fever dream and, you know, they do like... I love Lucy and uh oh that's just it. She's just on I Love Lucy. That's it. Yeah. It's it's a really lame episode. It's not funny. It's, uh, it's but fine. They do an I Love Lucy parody, so we gotta bring it <laughs> gotta up. Gotta talk about it. This one's weird because she's watching TV and it's her on the TV. Yeah, she again, she's like having a fever dream. So is she stuck in there or is she just watching I don't know. She's she's having a fever dream because she had spicy soup, David. You're thinking too hard. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking too hard about it. <laughs> The last one that I just want to throw out there is there's another weird Australian one called Round the Twist, which I guess... I don't know what this show is normally. What... I don't know. What is the show when it's not this? It seems like a family sitcom that, like, weird, freaky things happen to them all the time. But in this one, they uh, sort of all try to watch TV at the same time, and so they get transformed into, like versions of their favorite tv persona one of them's a detective one's like a news reporter and then the other one's like a sports star and you know the lesson that they end up learning is that tv is fake and manipulated and that you know you should go play outside yeah you should go play outside is basically it and they all turn into babies at the end it's very strange yeah that's the really weird part is they put in a (laughs) they they put in a a baby video and then they get turned into babies yeah uh there was honey i shrunk the kids the tv show this one also had a leave it to beaver parody uh, where yep. they think they're Russian spies and then they have to like zap around. Right. They specifically are like, they call them fascists <laughs> and like they try to make a call to Hoover's G Men. Yeah. Like, this is clearly just making fun of like the Cold War era politics. Yeah. And not even like the conservative family stuff, but just like the xenophobic stuff. Right, right. Um, which is weird. I, I'll also give this one a nod for being just like clearly written for like a smarter audience or like a more like more adult but yeah. i don't know if it's smarter i, don't know I found smart. this one really obnoxious i mean it was definitely obnoxious but like it's certainly yeah. you know for the more erudite <laughs> among us right there's a part where they like look they look themselves up in a tv guide and like in it the like older sister character is referred to as a nymphette oh, and yeah the, and they have a whole riff on it, and it's weird. And then the boy is referred to as a boy genius, genius and he's like, "That's that's sexist." How they, they refer to Damn. him as a boy genius, and I'm just a nymphette. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's all weird. Um, and then they just climb out of the TV show on a ladder. Yeah, the the like mother at home figures out they're in the TV and. Uh, puts a ladder in there and they can just climb out it's like after an hour of (laughs) of them doing stuff and then they just climb out of the tv show on a ladder yeah i don't know it's fine um all right so we've been talking for like an hour and a half now (laughs) right Uh, but we do need to talk about we do need to uh, talk about drama world and supernatural that is the last or i will never forgive myself yeah (laughs) Um, um, drama World first. Let's do Drama yeah, World. Yeah, let's do Drama World. Why don't you start Drama World, David? Okay, you guys, if you want to pause this right now and just check out Drama World, 
on Viki, which is a weird new streaming site. It's also um, all on YouTube. It's also all on YouTube. Uh, but just check it out before I give away the premise. Here it comes. <laughs> a fan of Korean dramas, you know, K-dramas, a white American <laughs> fan of K-dramas, gets sucked into the world of K-dramas, wherein all of the characters are, like, constantly have their memories wiped and reincarnated for each show. Yeah. And there's a bunch of rules that, like, the show can resolve only when there's true love's kiss. Right. And all of the coincidences in K-dramas, which there are a lot of coincidences in K-dramas, right. are caused by characters called facilitators. Right. Who get sucked in from the real world to make all of the love happen. Right. So that the world doesn't collapse. Yeah, it's it's very crazy. Um, but, like, I, like, can't decide if I like the show or if I hate it. Like... I like it and I hate it. Yeah. It's such an interesting premise. It's so bizarrely produced. It was yeah. shot, like, almost entirely, like, on location in Seoul. Yeah. Um, but also and, parts of it in Los Angeles. Right. Well, the parts that take place in Los Angeles. Okay, yeah. In Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> and the, the, the main character who is, uh, Abby from Santa Clarita, um... Oh, I never watched Santa Clarita. I don't know. They're like a real actress. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or actor. Um, the the point being, like, their performance is so weird. <laughs> I think it's like the directing or the fact that, like, it was hard to work with people who spoke only Korean and right. people who spoke only English and people who spoke both languages. But, like, the acting is just off. It's just, like, very... It's, like, almost too earnest... A lot of the times, yeah. and like yeah, all the time, yeah. And the the episodes are only like seventeen minutes long, like they're very short. Yeah. Um, and you know they're full of like inside trope references to K dramas, but then also you know yeah. like romantic comedies, kind of in general. Um, where you know the there's always a meet cute, and the the leading man always uh has to catch the lady uh, if she's falling. Um, right, I love that know. joke. That that anytime anybody faints or <laughs> pretends to faint or falls, the the leading man has to catch them, right. no matter where they are. It's, and then when they don't, it's like, oh my god, right. something's changed. And you know, I I love that even though they're mostly concerned with uh you know the main plot that she was sort of sucked in to help uh rectify, um. <laughs> she uh, she also at first is just like someone gets hit by a car and she runs over to them and they're like you're my true love you know like just because that's the trope <laughs> you know the guy gets hit by right. the car and then the first person he sees he falls in love right. with and then the theme in this one is kind of interesting and complicated yeah. which is the main character loves K-dramas because they feel like she feels like she's not a main character in her own life. Yeah. And she feels like exciting things don't happen in real life. And that, you know, right. real life is kind of meaningless. And, you know, it's just all coincidences. But then in K-drama, nothing's a coincidence. Everything is planned and narrative. Um, right. But it, but also it's like she, when she's in the, the world, she thinks like, oh, this is perfect. I'm such a side character. Yeah. I should be the side character if I'm in a K-drama. Right. Um, but then she is like bamboozled into becoming the leading lady. Sort of, yeah. Uh, whereas the villain of the story is somebody who is trying to force himself into the leading man role. Right. 
because uh, he's fallen in love with the the leading lady after you know countless uh, K dramas of facilitation. Um, right. So it's about like cultural appropriation and white people and Americans inserting themselves into K dramas. Right. But also, it's not about that at all. Yeah, because you know, like the the white girl gets the Korean guy in the end, like that. Yeah. That's... Um. There's also a thing where the reason that they can all understand each other is because subtitles, subtitles exist. Yeah. In this world, so everyone can just kind of speak any language. Though the people who can speak both languages usually do go back and forth depending on who they're talking yeah. to. Um, and they, uh, they honestly do it flawlessly, like major kudos to both of the bilingual actors, um, in the show. I think they, they do a pretty decent job. Um, yeah. So this show is just crazy and you kind of have to check it out. Um, and you know, it ends on a wild cliffhanger that, you know, I won't That will never be resolved because this show finished in 2016 and it is probably not going to get picked up. I don't know. Season two is in production according to Wikipedia. I don't know. uh, So are a lot of things that are definitely not in production. But we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. (laughs) Supernatural. Let's do Supernatural. Okay. So at first when I saw our watch list, I was like, three episodes of Supernatural? That's insane. (laughs) And then I was like, wait a minute. These are like the three episodes of Supernatural besides like the first season that I've ever seen in my life. Well, they're very memorable episodes. Oh, yeah. They're fantastic. Like they're they're absolutely great. So the first one is uh, they get sucked into like TV shows by a trickster god. Um, right. The second one is where, uh, you know, they, um, end up. They get thrown into an alternate dimension wherein they are actors putting on the show Supernatural. Yeah. And then the last one, I remember this one coming out a couple of years back, um, is Scooby Natural, where they end up in an episode of Scooby-Doo due to a haunted television. Um, right. Um, and they're all great. Classic. They're all great. And they're all completely unique to each other, yeah. but not unique to this list, for no, sure. No, no, I mean, no. changing channels, the trickster is basically, you know, control freak. Yeah. Or any of these other villains. When they're put onto the the sitcoms, they're, the whole, like, the whole, like, moral of it is supposed to be, like, you need to start performing your roles. Yeah. Because there's the whole subplot about how Dean and Sam are the... Uh, the Antichrist and the Christ, you know, kind of respectively, Savior Angel, the Archangel, uh, incarnate, and they're gonna have to fight to the death to decide the fate of the universe. Yeah, um, and this guy is like, just do it because I want you guys to get it over with. There's a commercial parody on this one, uh, which is a parody of the Valtrex commercials where they say, I have genital herpes. Yeah, it's great, you know, and there's like a Japanese game show, it's called like Nutcracker, isn't it? Um, yeah. Where, you know, if you answer the question wrong, you... Uh, it's a really racist re- rendering of a Japanese, Japanese game show. Uh, game show. Yeah. But, but whatever. It, but it's, an, it's another one where, you know, when he plays his role, he's able to, like, speak Japanese and answer the question. Um, yeah. There's another round of making fun of multicam sitcoms from the perspective of your, you know, single cam show and how it's fake and how they have they have laugh tracks and blah blah blah. And they eat big sandwiches. I love Smeet. They have product placement, uh, and there's yeah. like a spam container, but it's Smeet 
And I love Smeet. It's Smeet. <laughs> There's a Knight Rider parody, which yeah. there is another Knight Rider somewhere on this list. Uh, but, like, that's a weird one to do, isn't it? Like, why do we conceive of TV as Knight Rider? Like, I mean, I think it's just because so much of Supernatural is kind of about the car and, like, loving sure. the car. So I feel like they're kind of like, right. we gotta do a Knight Rider. That one's also about a car. Right. Maybe also Knight Rider is just like a concept that would never work in any other medium. Yeah. Like it's only a TV kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like what are the shows that we keep seeing over and over again? Like Friends was on a bunch of mm-hmm. them. Cause that's like the nineties, early 2000s sitcom. Yeah. Uh, you see Leave, Leave it, it to Beaver, Beaver endlessly. I Love Lucy. Star Trek as the representation of sci-fi. Yeah. The Brady Bunch, I guess. Some kind of procedural, some kind of soap opera. Yeah. These can be more broadly construed. But in this one, the the, the procedural is definitely CSI Miami. Yeah. Because they're doing the putting on the sunglasses thing. Yeah. And they're wearing it at night. Um, I think yeah. the best parody, though, from, from this one, from Changing Channels, is uh, definitely the Grey's Anatomy parody with Dr. S. Sexy. It's just so good. Sexy. Very, very (laughs) on the nose. Okay. And then, yeah, at the end, they just kind of get out of it by playing their roles, but then they also discover that the trickster is in the TV show with them, and then they douse him with the magic goo that defeats demons and angels. And And they stake him, and he dies. Right. Next to the French mistake, which I think I think we referenced for something else before, but uh, this is a crazy ass episode. Oh yeah! Where <laughs> to get them away from the dangers of the angels that are tracking them down to kill them? Um, one of the angels, what was his name? But starts with the B. Uh, Barry. I don't know. I don't remember. Barry. Well, anyway, he throws them through a window into the real world, the dimension where they are actors making the supernatural show. Right, and you know, there's a lot of inside jokes about the fandom Absolutely. and you know because yeah. dean is married in real life the actor jared padalecki is married to an actress on the show who played like an arch villain ruby um, yeah, demon yeah so the joke is just that they don't know who anybody really is right. and the actor who plays uh castiel Misha is just Collins. like an awkward like oh i joined the show a little late i'm just i'm just here to hang out yeah kind of guy which and is who, very t- different who from... tweets a lot which is also Misha collins <laughs> mo at the time right and it also just it's it has the it has sam and dean being really bad actors which yeah. is funny and, you know <laughs> and, and it's great because you know they make jokes about the actors like not really talking to each other and secretly hating each other um and just right. like playing nice in front of the camera um and the thematic resonance is that in the real world of course we don't have to deal with demon attacks on a right. regular basis but also we don't ever have any proof that God exists. <laughs> right. right. Is that the point? I mean, I, miss it? I don't know that's the point, but... The angel guy who follows them yeah. into this dimension keeps talking about how, like, you, you people have no gods, no <laughs> no truth in your life. What a small world you live in, just turning right. to dirt There's no magic at the end. Here. Um, but I think, you know, the, uh, the... It's, again, it's just another episode about brotherhood. Like... Right, of course. You know, it's like, but we're not even brothers in this universe. We have to go back, you know? And they do. Right. And then there's Scooby Natural, which, which I think is pretty self-explanatory. Did the, you have anything you'd like to nope. point to specifically in this one? The the ghost 
so I, I do like this one because they sort of like tell the Scooby gang that monsters are real and they all have like nervous right. breakdowns. Like Daphne is like, right. is there a God? Like <laughs> what? Am I going to go right. to heaven or hell? Like it's, it's, it's fun. Right. And you know, I mean, it's kind of weird considering that in Scooby-Doo, they do often encounter real ghosts. Only occasionally, though. Occasionally they do, in different continuities. Yeah. But anyway, this one, it's interesting because it follows the plot of an actual Scooby-Doo episode. Like, they picked a specific one, which you wouldn't think that they would have to do, right. but they did. Well, it's, it, yeah, so it's, you know, the one where they have to stay in the haunted mansion to collect a inheritance, right. basically. It's good because the ghosts are really generic, so yeah. you, you don't have to, like, have it be the clown ghost or whatever, <sighs> but the plot is, you know, really specific, so it doesn't feel like you're just setting it in the Scooby-Doo universe, you're setting it in an episode of Scooby-Doo. Right, right. Um, you know, and they, they do jokes where Dean is trying to hit on da- or on uh, Daphne, right. and then Velma is, like, Terrible. secretly really into Sam, because she likes big lunks or whatever. Terrible. It's uh, just awful jokes to watch and <laughs> do. You know, Dean is just, like, thrilled to be uh, in a cartoon where he can eat a big sandwich with a big mouth and, you know... Part of it is like, these were the things that no matter where our dad dragged us on the road as kids, like there was always a TV and Scooby-Doo was always on, you know, like. Yep. Still found a way to make it about uh, brotherhood yeah, somehow. Yeah. Um, you know, and of course Sam is the one who's like, no way, this is stupid for like so much of it. And then, you know, turns out he watched the show too and knows how it ends. Yeah. And... Um, I like that Castiel is their Scooby. He's their talking <laughs> yes. dog character. It's um, a, a fun... There's a great line where, you know, he's like, I used to lead armies. Now I'm reduced to this. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's it's cheeky. The, the TV was haunted and they solved the mystery. And it turns out that it was a guy trying to get a real estate deal. Yeah. Just like in <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Scooby <laughs> uh, so it's... it's... <laughs> great uh in so many so many ways they're all so enjoyable these were and i love that each of them sort of represent a different side to um kind of all of these sucked into the tv tropes that we've talked about right um last one right yeah wait is there one that we skipped oh yeah yeah dc legends of tomorrow the most recent example we we weren't expecting this but while we were doing research for this episode DC Legends of Tomorrow, the weirdest and maybe dumbest thing in the Arrowverse. I don't know. Um, Can't say. It it just came out with an episode where all the characters are sucked into a TV show. Uh, So we have the most (laughs) up-to-date list for however long that lasts. Um, (laughs) So this one is like taking place in this most recent season where their main villains are the Fates, you know, like from Greek mythology. Uh, and they've made it, like, 1984 everywhere, but in order to save the lives of the legends, they've put them all into a TV show to make propaganda for the fates. Yeah, and that's, how, and, like, they don't remember their pasts or anything, and then they right. each sort of have to go along this, like, path of awakening through, I guess, means of one character's power or something, but it's unclear, 
Um, yeah, you really have to kind of know these characters in order to get what's going on, which I definitely don't. Yeah, um, I had I was very. <laughs> but lost. I can appreciate the TV parodies. <laughs> um, I just do love the fact that Sarah Lance has died yet again, which I'm sure is like the twelfth time that she's died in the Arrowverse ever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's wildly ridiculous well this is like the weird thing about the show too right is that like one of the things that they're commenting on in tv is how like in tv the good guys always win and death is never permanent and it's like yeah but that's absolutely true of your show show as well so bad they do they do so many different ones they the main parodies are star trek um downton abbey friends and uh, am I missing one? Is there a fourth one? Yeah, Mr. Rogers. Oh, Mr. Rogers, yes. And they do a little song that is performed half-heartedly by two of the characters. Very half-heartedly uh, about uh, shoving down your emotions. Yeah, it's a fun and song. Like, You're not Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers would never say that. Right. I, I did yeah. enjoy the shove down your emotions song. <laughs> right. Repress, repress. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like it's supposed to be like each of these shows is is propaganda for the fates, you know, telling people to eat their mush and not question reality. Right, but it's um, like very communist propaganda, kind of like Russian. No, it's nineteen eighty four propaganda. Well, yeah, it's but like, like they fascist. use they use that like Soviet kind of font and uh, opening credits. Right, because they used specifically the font from the film adaptation of nineteen eighty four. Okay. I mean, it's explicitly... It's 1984. A parody of 1984. But, like, you know, 1984 being a critique specifically right. of communist propaganda. Or Soviet The, the Friends parody is awkward because there's, like, siblings on it, but some of them know who they are and some of them think that they're just the character on the TV show. Right, but they are siblings in the TV show, so it's not, like, a weird, like, incest yes. thing. No, no, I wasn't saying that. I was just <laughs> saying it's, like, weird because, like... You're seeing your brother, but he's like, hey, sis, I'm this character on a wacky TV show. Right, right. And then uh, High Castle Abbey. Is that a reference to something High Castle or is it just supposed to be? It's Downton Abbey, but High Castle. I mean, maybe the man in the high tower. like. Right. I don't know. Well, in in that one, one of the characters, parents who had died is back from the dead. Yeah. Um, But but they're also making fun of the repressive gender roles on Downton Abbey. Right. And, you know, and I think my guess is that the the character uh, that the fellow crewmate is playing um you know is she's sort of the irascible like i wish i could be more boyish um but you know she's looked down upon and the guess is that that character is somewhat tomboyish on the show wouldn't know haven't watched more than like two episodes of the show ever uh there's a star trek parody called star trip where the two co-captains of the spaceship in the dc universe are now co-captains of this other yeah yeah um it, it, it makes sense but like the way that they escape from the tv world is they let themselves be blown up which would get them canceled or they espouse propaganda uh, that's against the the fates directly into the TV, so they get canceled. So it's sort of like the idea that um, propaganda 
uh, TV shows only exist as they support the system. Any TV show that's sufficiently against the system is going to get canceled by yeah. the powers that be. Well, and this one also has, like, the weird message of, like, get up off your couch and, like, rebel. Like, go out right. there, take to the streets. And it's like, yeah, right, but... because TV's normally... The CW doesn't want me to do that. They want me to get CW seed and binge 12 seasons of Riverdale. There's 12 now, right? Like... <laughs> I, there's a lot. Uh, the, the point is, yeah, th- that, yeah, this show is not radical enough to get canceled <laughs> right. because of its radicalness. Right. Any show that's radical enough to get people off their butts to do the revolution is going to get canceled. Right, right. Um, but, oh boy, was this one, an- another one that just really talked about everything uh, that we've, yeah. that we've touched on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we've covered it. I, I think we've got it. While, while a lot of these, like the supernatural ones, you could pretty much watch with no context and basically right. get it. Um, this one, don't watch it if you don't watch the show or like... Yeah, but... But maybe we should watch the show. I don't know. It it seems interesting. Don't make I don't really me. connect with the characters, but maybe that's because don't. I don't have the whole Arrowverse no. and the it's, Crisis on Infinite, Infinite Earths behind me. Don't make me do oh, it. Oh, it's bad. It's very bad. Okay. I've watched too much Arrow already. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Sorry, Arrowverse fans. Sorry. Um, not on your side on this one. Okay. Well, that's... That's the most talking about TV that this show has ever been. Yeah, I this think. is truly TV talking about TV tropes. Uh, the TV yeah. trope. <laughs> the trope um, about the TV. I, I don't think it's impossible that we missed some, but we definitely talked about a lot of these. Yeah, if we did miss any, please let us know. Either tweet at us at Talking Tropes or comment wherever you found this podcast or video. Or video. Um, yeah, the videos are now going to be available on YouTube, hopefully from here on out, maybe with a few gaps, depending on we'll video see. errors yeah. in recording. Uh, but check us out. Um, I'll, I'll link the YouTube in the description and, uh, and tweet it out as well. And, uh, yeah, I'll, we'll see you guys for our hundredth upload special, Boom. our 50th talking trope, our hundredth episode that we've ever produced. Big round numbers. Anything. Holy crap. Round numbers are cool. Uh, We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.